Welcome to a podcast of a sermon delivered at the Unitarian Society of Ridgewood in New Jersey. Our congregation is a place where you will find inspiration in the richness of diverse beliefs and the power of community. Detailed information about the Unitarian Society of Ridgewood is available on our website, uuridgewood.org. And now if you'll please join me in lighting our chalice, the words are printed in your order of service. We light this chalice. Now I'll ask you to take a deep breath to center yourself and to listen to the sound of this bowl. Hear it as it rings in the new year, offering us a time to look back, to honor what was wonderful, to shed what harms and holds us back. Hear it inviting us to look ahead to imagine new possibilities, new commitments, inviting us to embrace new hopes. Take a breath and listen. It is good to see you all in this new year. We don't do this very often, but we're going to do it this morning because it's the first Sunday of 2020. I'm going to give you a minute to say hello to your neighbor. Don't compel anyone to shake hands because we are in winter flu season. So you can wave or smile. If you want to shake, feel free, but don't compel each other. Please greet one another. There'll be, there'll be plenty of time during coffee hour to greet people who were further across the room. So a new year has dawned. I don't know about you, but it always takes me a while to remember when I'm filling out forms and writing. We have a new cat at home, and I took him to the vet on Friday, and I definitely signed a form, 2019. It'll probably be late February before I've truly internalized the change. It just feels so abrupt, right? Now, tomorrow, around the globe, folks will celebrate Epiphany. Epiphany in Eastern Christianity is the day that marks Jesus' baptism. And in Western Christianity, it marks the coming of the three wise men. I like Epiphany because it kind of extends the season a little bit, makes the end less abrupt. And I will confess to loving the story celebrated in Western Christianity, this story of these three wise people who see a star in the East and they follow it. It's the story of an epiphany, right? The star is a revelation for them. And with faith and determination, they follow this star marching across deserts, facing, we can only assume, plenty of difficulty along the way. But they trusted in the revelation they'd seen, in the insight they had been given, and in their own judgment. What I always wonder about with this story is what all the other people who surely must have seen that bright a star, thought. What did they think it was? What other epiphanies were had by regular people, 
Epiphanies small and personal or vast and global because of that one bright star. The story says the three wise men followed it, but it says nothing about what anyone else did with it. Now, of course, we can't know what really happened, what was really seen. Astronomers do speculate. I don't know if you've ever looked this up. It might have been a very bright comet, some astronomers will argue, or it might have been something called a triple conjunction with Jupiter and Saturn, where you basically get, according to Professor David Hughes, alignment between the Sun, the Earth, Jupiter, and Saturn. And it happens like every 900 years. Still yet another idea is that the light came from a new star being born. But back then, folks put great store by stars and astrology. And of course, the world was so much darker than it is now. So even your average non-magi person might have noticed something different in their night sky. So for me, it becomes then a curious question, what everyone else thought about the appearance of something that bright in the sky. The new year gives us a time to consider where we have come from and where we are going. It gives us a moment to pause and ask ourselves what stars we will follow. This is what the turning of the year affords us, a chance to let go, to see things fresh, to look toward the future with joy and promise and new commitment, aware that there will be difficulty, but knowing that the path is leading towards something wonderful. In this liminal moment, we look back and we look forward. We gather this morning grateful for the gift of a new year, determined to use it well by honoring the past, shedding what is no longer helpful, and embracing a new focus for the future. Please. I have never loved New Year's Eve. Uh, for me, it feels like just another day, and the traditional modes of celebrating it have never spoken to me. But I have learned over the years to recognize the value of a built-in opportunity to look back and look ahead. A built-in liminal time somewhere between moments to consider where we've come from and where we're going. I've come to appreciate this threshold moment that invites us to do this dual looking. This morning, we begin with looking back. We are, none of us, individuals isolated in time or space. We are connected across time, across place. We're connected to the ancestors whose lives enabled our own, to the communities and networks that impact and sustain us throughout our lives, and to the future that will reap what we sow. We are not as independent and individual and standalone as we sometimes want to think in our modern American culture. The truth we believe here is that we have been affected by others and we will affect others because we belong to a never-ending web of interdependence. I love that David Ray poem because I love the idea that we can look back and see what went wrong, see what harm we caused, see what world we wrought, and have the courage to see it honestly and clearly, but not without hope. That we can have hope that it is all still redeemable. Hope that we can change. Hope that the past has not rendered the future impossible. I love that idea of hope for the past. But I also subscribe to the idea that this moment, this New Year's time, is optimal for determining to let go of some of the things we have created that do not serve us or the world. 
Alicia Garza, one of the founders of the Black Lives Matter movement, offered a ritual for the new year on the Healing Justice podcast. The ritual she describes invites participants to imagine the headlines on a newspaper on December 31st, 2020. So she's inviting listeners to imagine what the front page news will be after this whole next year has passed. Really, your front page news. What would the headline report be for your life in 2020? That's what she's asking folks to envision. And she walks listeners through not just the front page, but the features page and the help wanted ads. And then she also does the obituary. And she says, our newspaper is going to have a life and death section. We're going to look at this not in the form of people, but in the form of habits and practices that can help us achieve our goals. Since it's a life and death section, we're going to be talking about what habits and practice need to be born and what habits and practices need to die or fall away. What needed to die personally, professionally, and politically for this year to have gone your way? So I love that because it's not framed as a resolution, but as a deep soul searching that asks us to be honest about who we are, how we are, the ways we behave. Garza's ritual invites us to consider what we want to let go of this year, what needs to die for us to have that amazing 2020. Self-examination is not easy. What's asked in that question isn't easy. But the work has value because being intentional about what we want to carry over the threshold of the new year matters. Do we want to carry the decades-old narrative that we are unlovable? Do we want to carry the habit of staying up till two in the morning? Do we want to carry the practice of leaving our work to the last minute? What, Garza asks, has to die professionally, personally, or politically for this year to be amazing? What do you need to let go of? Every Sunday that we gather together, we take time to be silent with each other, to lift up together the worries and cares of our world and our lives. This morning, I'll ask you to join me in a spirit of meditation and prayer, to take a deep breath and find as comfortable a position as you can in your seats. This morning, we'll move between spoken words and silence. Acknowledging what was, honoring what is, and looking with hope to what might be. This morning we invite the spirit of life and spirit of love, the spirit of hope and the new day, into this space with us. As we stand on the precipice, just entering a new year, we do so with trepidation. Our world is hurting. We are hurting. There is much sorrow and fear and anxiety as we move into this new year. This morning we come with righteous anger at the continuing acts of anti-Semitic violence that bespeak a world still driven too often by fear and ignorance and hatred. We come with worry over what might be as the leaders of our nation bring us closer to a war in which we know so many lives would be lost. We come with sorrow at the fires in Australia. 
that have ravaged the earth and threatened so many. And we come with grief at the loss of a beloved member of our own community, Marion Jones, who died this past New Year's Day. We come with hurts, with hearts heavily burdened by the personal, the national, and the global. We honor our own hurting hearts and our hurting world with silence. As we breathe deeply in the quiet of the morning, we also strive to let go. We let go of hurts and offenses. We let go of worries and anger. We let go of grief and suffering, of disappointment and frustration. We let go of the months and days and hours and minutes that have passed and we look toward what might be. Spirit of life, spirit of love, spirit of hope, and the new day. Our hearts this morning are also full of hopes for the new year. Peace in our world, love in our lives, forgiveness for ourselves and others, abundance for all, deeper understanding, health and freedom from pain. As we sit together in the glow of this first Sunday of this new year, I invite you to use the silence to reflect on your imaginings and visions, hopes and prayers for the new year. May we shed this past year with confidence and commitment to the light ahead of us. May all the wishes of our hearts be heard on the dawn of this new year. May we do all in our power to make our hopes come true. Working diligently, remaining steadfast, living by our values, following our star, honoring the truths we know. So may it be. So I told you I've never loved New Year's, so it's probably not going to shock you when I say that I have never loved resolutions. All too often, I find them to be empty promises that set us, for, set us up for failure. There are too many years when I have resolved to stop eating chocolate or have more patience or go to the gym, whatever it might be. And too many times, after a few months, all I've done is confirmed to myself that I cannot keep a New Year's resolution. So when I stumbled on this thing my colleagues do, I was intrigued, right? What might it look like not to make sweeping commitments to behavioral or pattern changes, but instead to adopt a focus, a point of intention, a lens of concern through which to view the world? Hopefully, that's what these cards give us a chance to do. Mine says exploration. So hopefully, that becomes a centering word a concept for meditation, an organizing principle for my 2020. And I hope that you will use your words in this way, too. On New Year's Day, we sent out an email with a poem by my colleague, the Reverend Kathleen McTeague. In it, she writes, The first of January is another day dawning, the sun rising as the sun always rises, the earth moving in its rhythms, with or without our calendars, 
to name a certain day as the day of new beginning, separating the old from the new. So it is, everything is the same, bound into its history as we ourselves are bound. Yet also we stand at a threshold, the new year something truly new, still unformed, leaving a stunning power in our hands. What shall we do with this great gift of time this year? We have been given the gift of time, so what will we do with it? That question boils down to something bigger than the gym and other resolutions. It comes down to whether or not we will use that time well, and I think what using it well means is living in deep connection to our values, attempting to live each day intentionally with forethought and with care, with focus and with honesty. And that's what these words, again, will hopefully help us do, live with a certain level of intentionality focused on a value that holds much more than individual resolutions might. In a way, it's about focusing on process rather than an end. Because time, this time we're given, is very precious and very limited, really. We must pay attention, live carefully, so that whatever star comes and brightens the sky, we don't miss it so that we can make all the meaning out of our lives and wring all the joy that we possibly can out of the time we're given. The author, Neil Gaiman, has offered many New Year's blessings over the past few decades. These are his words from 2014. Be kind to yourself in the year ahead. Remember to forgive yourself and to forgive others. It's too easy to be outraged these days, so much harder to change things, to reach out, to understand. Try to make your time matter. Minutes and hours and days and weeks can blow away like dead leaves with nothing to show but time you spent not quite ever doing things or time you spent waiting to begin. Meet new people and talk to them. Make new things and show them to people who might enjoy them. Hug too much, smile too much, and when you can, love. May each of us come into the new year with intention and vision and focus, with commitment and hope, with hugs and smiles and laughter and love. So may it be. As you step bravely into the new year, shedding what harms and embracing hope, may you make every moment last. Welcome. The new year awaits you. Go in peace. <laughs>